0: All right hello and welcome to episode 20 of booze podcast i'm your host ollie and i'm sam
1: and we have a heavy one today so we're gonna keep the the talking uh, to a minimum and then sam is gonna grace us with you know the horror with some so maybe, a horrible horrible so story maybe get a nice little disney short film prepared to watch after to listen to after to keep your spirits high because we're not gonna do that
0: No, and it's a really long one, so you guys are going to have to bear with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but did you want to kind of talk to them about your Milwaukee trip a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was quick. It was nice,
1: relaxing. I watched uh, The Gallows Part 2 with my little cousins, Ooh. which is a scary movie. Um, if you like viral challenges, then that's the movie for you. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely catered towards like the teenage demographic and we watched the Packers game it was kind of sad because we watched it with you know a group of Packers fans I was in Wisconsin and yeah they got their asses kicked so <laughs> RIP if your team made it this far uh, be happy that they did because us Cowboys fans don't know what that feel like they, we don't know what that feels like so <laughs> congratulations <laughs> um, but speaking of football on my Plane Ride, I watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. How was that? And that is very true crimey. So I I thought it was... I thought they did a really good job. It wasn't like Don't Fuck With Cats where Don't Fuck With Cats should have been one documentary. Mm -hmm. They made it like several parts when they shouldn't have. That could have been one and done. But the Aaron Hernandez one, it it was like... It should have been three parts. And they might have been able to do a whole other part on brain damage in football but it was really heartbreaking it was really sad um they talk about his sexuality a lot which i don't think should have been brought up as much as they did like it Mm -hmm. just seemed like they were really trying to make the story interesting which the story of an like of its own to me is interesting minus the oh he was oppressing or like suppressing his Homoph like or his like gay tendencies like I thought that was really played up. But even if you're not a football fan, I think it's a really good movie to or good documentary to watch to see kind of the stronghold that football does have in our culture and how it can lead to people or to, it could lead to somebody a having severe brain damage and then be feeling like they can get away with anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Really, really good story. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying all the conversations on social media about it, too. Um, especially especially women and um, people who are attracted to good-looking men kind of be conflicted.
0: Yeah, they're going <laughs> crazy. I was like, ugh, I'm not going to dabble in there at all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's just Netflix. They're doing it on purpose. They started with you, and then they just kept the ball rolling with uh, all the... The theme of bad boys.
0: They're really writing this true crime hype big time. They really are, yeah. Which I mean, hello, I don't mind, but <laughs> <laughs> I did not mind
1: at all. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, it was really, really good. Highly recommend. Um, even if you're not a football fan, give it a give it a go. Yeah, he
0: he killed his girlfriend, right? Is that what he did? No, I... no.
1: Uh, so if you don't know who Aaron Hernandez is, is he Was a football player. He played football. He played football in college and then was drafted into the NFL. He should have been like first pick in the NFL, but he had kind of a sketchy past. Like sketchy Mm -hmm. past, as in, like he was getting starting to get into trouble. Um, there were incidents of him being violent, but since he was a football player, they were never reported. Of course. Uh, And then technically, if we talk about the definition of what a serial killer is. He fell into that definition because he allegedly, I say allegedly, I believe he did, he had killed three people and attempted to kill four. Just watching videos of him and pictures, like, it's, you kind of fall in love with his charm, too, because he's very charismatic, you know, always smiling, fine as hell, (laughs) sorry, but he is, (laughs) like, he's... Yeah, it's kind of like that like the the Ted, Ted from Bundy hype allure, Yeah. Like, ooh, he's really hot. Did he really kill all these people? You know, surely he didn't. Um, but but it's just one of those like your like your cognitive dissonance like you see something that's so attractive and somebody that's so personality-wise charismatic and your brain really can't make that connection of oh wait no this is a dangerous person yeah so that to me that's really interesting and yeah you just gotta watch it it's good
0: i'll check clearly i don't know anything about it so i'll definitely have to dabble in there i just i think you were thinking of oj simpson (laughs) maybe maybe (laughs) maybe i don't know they all kind of blend together (laughs) because there was a guy i thought that killed his girlfriend but and aside from oj i think there was someone else oh no I don't know. Is it his girlfriend or his wife?
1: I don't even know. I was a child and all that. Was Was I even born? I don't even know.
0: But anyways. I think they were <laughs> married because they were having problems. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I know, like, domestic violence is a big thing there, too. So I think maybe I'm confusing the domestic violence and the murders together because I know that's a big thing that happens in, like, the football community.
1: Yeah, and I wish they talked about that more because when – Like, the science part of it, whenever they had the opportunity to extract his brain to do research on it, I think that part is a part of the documentary where they should have talked about more, because it's so important. Mm -hmm. Like, seeing the comparisons of a normal brain and his brain, like, you could just see the deterioration and, like, the holes in his brain, literally, and part of the symptoms of having, I think it's CT... So, wait, wait, let me Google it real real, real, real <laughs> quick, because I don't want to sound dumb. So, yes, I found it, and it is CTE. It CTE is Chronic trauma- Traumatic Encephalopathy. <laughs> Something pithy. I have no idea, but anyways, it's CTE. And, yeah, I just really wish that the documentary talked more about the effects and the symptoms and really talked about violence in the NFL, but whenever you watch it, it does kind of, I mean, you could kind of see how the big decision makers in the NFL want to play that down. Um, they want to, um, you know, convince mothers and parents from all over the U S to that their child is not going to be harmed um, while, for, or while, you know, playing football. Cause they even had one football player who, the one from the 49ers who left after one year because he didn't want any severe damage caused to his brain, and that kind of started the conversation. But I just wish they dived more into that, but they didn't. So it's okay. It's still a good story,
0: and I recommend it. Yeah, I definitely have to check it out for sure. <sighs> but all right, are you ready to get into this? Yes, let's do it.
1: See, okay. does that sound more... Let's do it. More excited than the first. <laughs> a take. little
0: forced, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, my resources for this are the Unseen Documentary, Murderpedia, just a little bit, CNN, um, the podcast, The Serial Holic, and um, yeah. So, uh, geez, I really don't want to start this because it sucks so bad. Um this is one of those cases that's gonna piss you off. Uh, it should have been solved a long time before it was. It's really upsetting. I cried a lot doing the research, so I'm gonna throw it out near I'm gonna throw it out there now there's a lot a uh, lot of trigger warning for like rape and drugs and just all that. Um, and I know we aim to tell the backstory of all those people we're covering in full transparency, but I really, really struggled with even wanting to give a backstory on this guy um, but I want to give you guys the full story. And there's just so many underlying issues that need to be addressed. So I just went ahead and, like, sucked it up and did his whole backstory. Yeah, struggled and I pr- as
1: in... Like, you, you struggled because of the content, right? Like, or th- what this person even did in his early life. Or, like, elaborate more on
0: that. All of that. All He was okay. He's just such a horrible person. So, um... I probably struggled with this story just as much as the Andy Palugsi one. Like, it's hard. Um, even, they're not in the same category, but it's just one of those. So hold on to your butts, because I'm like 99% sure you're going to get just as mad as I was when I was doing this research. So let's get started. On Imperial Avenue and East 123rd Street sits Ray Sausage Company, specializing in sausage, pork, head cheese, and other meats. They serve locals and supermarkets in the area, including Walmart. From 2007 to 2009, they became known for something other than their meats, the horrific smell that surrounded the shop. Locals claimed it smelled like rotting flesh. It was so bad their workers didn't want to go to work in the summer, and locals wouldn't leave their homes. Every day, an inspector from the Agricultural Department visited Ray's Sausage and filled out paperwork. One report mentioned the disgusting smell. Desperate, the Cashes spent nearly $20,000 on new plumbing fixtures, sewer lines, and grease traps at the aging plant, believing that the smell was from sewer gas. Stumped as to why the smell still persisted, they just kept pouring money into it. It wasn't until October 2009 they discovered that the true source of the smell was coming from next door, and it wasn't from sewer lines or gas. It was from the decomposing bodies of 11 women. Jesus. Yeah, it's bad. So today I am telling you the story of serial rapist and murderer Anthony Sowell, aka the Cleveland Strangler. So Sowell said his childhood was like war. He lived out much of his childhood with his half-sister and seven cousins, and his cousins moved into their home after their mother died. Uh, one of Anthony's living cousins is quoted saying that the absent Mr. Sowell was not even talked about, and for some reason, Anthony Anthony and his father did not get along. In court, Sowell's niece, Leona Davis, testified that their great-aunt and Sowell's mother, Claudia Garrison, would strip the children naked, tie them to poles or banisters, and whip them with electrical cords till they bled. The beatings would occur almost daily and cause Davis to run away multiple times. Sowell's nephew, Jesse Darnell Hatcher, also testified that Sowell was beaten so severely when he was young that to this day he does he wouldn't wear shorts due to scarring. Don't feel too bad for him because Leona Davis' his niece, who I had just mentioned prior, also testified that when she was 10 years old Sowell was 12 and he would regularly fight her until she gave up and then rape her it happened almost every day Le- leona said leona davis said she tried to report the rapes to authorities but no one believed her maybe they should have leona davis said i don't think the imperial avenue killings would have ever happened if someone would have listened to me and that is the entire theme of this story so i'm sorry she began starting fires to get sent to juvie, so no one could hurt her. Because she felt safer in juvie, juvie. <laughs> she felt safer in juvie. Like I can't even imagine going through something so horrific in your childhood that juvie is your safe place. It just, mm-hmm. yeah. Sowell said the lack of nurturing in his home made him unable to stand physical contact or any signs of affection. So Sowell said to escape, at the age of 19, he joined the Marine Corps because he believed that the Marine Corps would turn him into a man. So he joined on January 24th, 1978. And some people say that it's not because he wanted to be turned into a man. They think that there was rumors that he got another woman pregnant. He, wait, he He had, got another woman had,
1: pregnant, or he got a woman pregnant.
0: Yeah, he got a woman pregnant. Sorry. And then,
1: so he wanted to escape, and he used the Marines as a means to do that.
0: Yeah, supposedly that's that's oh, a little okay. rumor flying around. Uh, he attended training at the Marine Corps. Oh, I can't talk. He, att- <laughs> he attended training at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot in Paris Island in South Carolina, and he trained as an electrician at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, which is actually where Matt did his schooling too. And then on July 13, 1978, he was assigned to the 2nd Marine Aircraft Wing at the Marine Corps Air Station in Cherry Point, also in North Carolina. In 1980, Sewell spent a year overseas with the 3rd Force Service Support Group, then returned to Cherry Point. He was then ordered to a Marine Corps base in Camp Butler in Okinawa, Japan on January 20, 1984. A, le- a year later, he transferred to Camp Pendleton in California for three days until his discharge on January 18th, 1985. Mm-hmm. And that's where I lived for like four years with Matt. So shout out to my Oceanside peeps. <laughs> um, but he got married while in, but the marriage ended quickly after. And she kind of said that she was only with him just to kind of help aid him through his time in the military because it was kind of rough on him. And he started drinking a lot. That
1: sounds like a bad reason. Which is pretty typical. To marry someone. Wait, what do you mean it's Typical.
0: <laughs> a lot of marines drink a lot like there's so many like alcohol issues within the marine corps and i'm sure other branches oh, too yeah. so but to
1: be like i'm gonna marry you because this has been hard for you and you're an alcoholic
0: yeah well there's also a lot of contract ma- marriages in the military too but people don't like to talk about oh, that yeah no <laughs> oh no i
1: definitely talk about
0: that all the time
1: so. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: super common but people I, normally seem surprised by it i'm like no nah, it, it happens all the time <laughs> i make a joke about it i say
1: like yeah me and gabriel had our first date and the second date we got married <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: which is a joke but yeah yeah, that didn't
1: actually happen <laughs> mm-hmm. so no.
0: it's fun it's funny a little side note but um when matt finished boot camp everyone like everyone there told him don't get married on your leave after boot camp before you go to your schooling and that's exactly what we did <laughs> all right so during Get that
1: bah girl right
0: just, just kidding <laughs> those benefits I made,
1: I made a joke about that on facebook it was a joke it was a meme that i shared and somebody who has no affiliation with the military got super butt hurt so
0: yeah like tricare is any good it's not <laughs> it's
1: like an extra like 200 dollars. all
0: right so back to this back to the gloom so during his seven-year marine corps career, Corporal Sowell received a good conduct, conduct medal with one service star, a sea service deployment ribbon, a certificate of commendation, a meritorite mass, and a two letters of appreciation. So basically, it just said that he went above and beyond well in the service, and he showed greats amount of judgment and initiative, whatever. One thing is clear, the Marines taught Sowell how to subdue and kill using his hands, and how to wield everyday objects as improvised weapons. This includes hand-to-hand and close-quarter combats to develop what the corpse now calls the warrior ethos, and the syllabus includes basic chokes and basic weapons of opportunity. And actually, fun fact, um, Matt had once briefly mentioned that apparently if a Marine and a civilian get in a fight, the Marine can get in a lot of trouble because they're considered like deadly weapons, almost? Like, (laughs) it's
1: weird. My
0: hands are my (laughs) weapons. (laughs) That explains a lot. Yeah, so some of them can... (laughs) (laughs) so um some of them can face up to 10 years in a dishonorable discharge if they are to fight with a civilian
1: Mm. um oh my gosh i
0: had no idea and uh the military and civilians can also charge uh, for the punishment so because it's a federal crime and then outside of the federal you can get charged twice um so i'm not sure if the deadly weapon thing applies to all branches but yeah yeah all right i'll have to ask <laughs> all right so in 19 in the 1980s so met twyla austin and they began a relationship and she became pregnant uh she later testified in court that she saw Sowell using cocaine in the mid-1980s and cut all ties with him after he was arrested in ties with petty crime and sexual and physical assault as soon as he re- he was released his urging blah, blah, blah. as soon as he was released his urge to kill began so, do you think that the loss of his girlfriend and child might have made him crack? Or do you think that's kind of bogus about the whole this this triggered him and he went into, like, a crazy killing spree with killers? No, I think that was brewing, that had been brewing inside of him. And it was kind of just, like, like all along. An excuse, you think?
1: Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was, like, the what the straw that, like, broke the camel's back in. Yeah, yeah. That, like,
0: what like if it wasn't that it would have been
1: something mm-hmm. else, yeah. In my opinion, yeah.
0: So in 1989, Melvetta Sockwell, who was three months pregnant, oh yeah, uh, this gets rough. So I'm sorry if you can't listen to like anything in detail. You're just gonna want to click off for this. But in 1989, M- Melvetta Sockwell, who was three months pregnant, was walking down Imperial Avenue. Sowell spotted her and lured her inside, telling her that her boyfriend was inside. She had never met Sowell before, but he was just so charismatic that he tricked basically tricked her into thinking that her boyfriend was in the house he choked gagged and bound her and beat her and he raped her repeatedly at knife point and she was held there for two days she managed to escape as he slept by climbing onto the roof of his home and alerting neighbors to contact authorities when police arrived at the scene they told melveta she was lucky because just last week they had found a dismembered woman in a suitcase Oh my god. And I tried to... Was that related? Uh, okay, so I kind of talk <laughs> about it at the very end of this and because I tried to look into it and I fell into like a rabbit hole of unsolved crimes. But I just couldn't find any information on this woman. I like typed in as many keywords as I could and I just could not. Um, there are hints that he may have had a part in, you know, this, but there's just no evidence at this point to link them. I think he might have had a hand in it for sure. So Anthony Sowell was found guilty of uh, Melveta for... And he raped two other women at this time, too. So it was Movetta and two other women. And um, he, was, he managed to evade cops for like seven months. But eventually he was found guilty and served 15 years in prisons, prison for what he did to the three women. In 2005, he was released and moved to 12205 Imperial Avenue in Cleveland. And we all know the prison system is terrible. And we'll get back to it later. So just keep it in the back of your mind. Once released, Soa worked in a factory until 2007, and he began collecting une- unemployment be- benefits. Neighbors said he earned a living selling scrap metal. At this time, he joined an online dating service where he stated that he was a master, looking for a submissive person to train. <laughs> and between 2007... 2007- Wait, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. it was It's in 2007 now. Like, we're in the
1: digital age yeah
0: yeah so he he yeah. served his 15 years he was released in 2005 he's like selling scrap metal because he's now in unemployment so now we're jumping between 2007 and 2009 and between 2007 and 2009 so all began to dabble in crack and it soon took over and at this point there was a huge drug epidemic going on in cleveland it was just everywhere around october 15th a neighbor's business surveillance camera caught a woman named sean morris fall out of sowell's second story window and he had lured her into his home with a promise of crack once inside the home he came up behind her and put her in a chokehold and threatened her that he would kill her if she fought back she began screaming so So sowell let her go and began to close all the windows in the room she saw an open window and attempted to climb out of it but in like a rush and kind of like freak out mode, so I'll her out of the window and when she hit the ground she lost consciousness. Oh, no. Now there is a nine one one call about this, which I'm gonna plug in. Hey, got now, hurry up to one two two zero five I need you to somehow back in the right address. One two two zero five. Okay. Imperial. She fell out of the window upstairs on the second
1: floor. Is she awake?
0: She kind of went going yeah, in and out. Yeah. So four witnesses later testified that neighbors waved them over to see an injured woman lying on the ground naked and a man between the Sowell house and Ray's sausage shop. Donald Laster, a landlord in the area, testified he saw a stark naked man and woman in an alley and demanded that the man whom he identified as Sowell stop moving the woman. Sowell had identified the woman as his wife. Mm. Laster said he said she was his wife and I'm going to take her back into the house. She's all right. When she awoke, she was at the hospital. She asked a nurse for a phone to call her husband, to which the nurse responded, What do you mean, your husband rode with you in the ambulance? She didn't press charges.
1: What? She didn't press charges?
0: She didn't press charges. She didn't think anyone would believe her, because she was also into drugs. Oh, she didn't want... Yeah, I guess in that instance, you really... If you are already dabbling
1: in illegal matters, like, you don't want any
0: more attention. yeah and the big thing is every single woman in this story and case is african american too so there's also that stereotype of you know y- that people aren't going to believe them because they just automatically assume they're doing all these horrible illegal things which is not the case like, a lot of the time but it's just the area in that time it's it's it sucks that time which On is October, only like it wasn't years even that long ago. ago yeah yeah and we st- and we still would do well, I don't personally but they people still deal with it today it's, mm-hmm. it's insane i see comments on facebook all the time and i'm like yikes like what is wrong with you this is like a public place like if your employer see this or whatever you're you're done like just the blank racism i see oh, all the oh, time okay. yeah with
1: the racism okay
0: yeah so on october 29 2009 about two weeks later cleveland police found four decomposing bodies on the third floor of Sowell's home two more in his basement and five more were buried in his backyard, and for three fucking years, women had been disappearing in Mount Pleasant neighborhood. And we're gonna talk about how we got caught later. But I just I want that to sink in that women were disappearing for three years, and none of these dis- disappearances were really investigated until after the bodies were found. And like I said, do you want to guess why? Oh, that is not returnable. Uh, okay, yeah, because <laughs> they're you
1: know women probably. minority women especially like women of
0: color and in an area that wasn't as desirable yeah and there was a lot of sex work in the area and a lot of them were addicted to drugs but that doesn't make it any less important than any other person you know Mm -hmm. it just it makes me so mad so on october 31st 2009 police were able to identify remains and so will confess he had been having nightmares about the murders and told police he would help them identify the remains So here's where it gets really sad because I have every single victim listed, I have a little bit about them, and then where they're found. So, on November 5th, 2009, the first of the 11 victims was identified as Tanya Carmichael. She was a 53-year-old woman who who disappeared more than a year earlier. Her body was found buried in Sowell's backyard next to his back porch. She appeared to have been strangled and was identified through the use of DNA evidence. Her mother had reported her missing in December 2008, she had asked her mother for $20 to get help to get her truck door fixed Uh, her mother was worried that she would use the $20 for drugs but she couldn't say no to Tanya and Tanya went missing that night on the third day of the search her mother found her truck with a door ajar. it was four blocks away from Sowell's home her family claimed because of her history of drugs police did not do their due diligence in searching for her there was also Talisha Fortso and on November 5th 2009 the second victim was identified and she was a 31-year-old african-american woman who disappeared five months earlier her family members became alarmed when she didn't show up to braid her children's hair and she had lost custody of her kids due to her drug addiction but she still regularly visited them like she loved her kids so much so it was just strange that she wasn't going to show up to braid her kids hair she attended church to even try and turn her life around and her church was six blocks away from sowall's home although he had Although she had been missing since June, her mother did not report her missing until she heard of the news coverage regarding the dead bodies discovered in Sowell's home. She was found in a third floor crawl space. On November 8, 2009, three more bodies were identified. and it's not really clear to me the order of the next three that were found and so on. It's just so there's kind of a timeline but not of how the bodies were found. So I'm just gonna list every single one else just because I don't want to make anyone seem any less or anything like that. I think I have them in the right order, but if someone's off a little bit, I tried my best. So we have Nancy Cobb, who was 43 of Cleveland and she disappeared in April around the time of her birthday. She was reporting missing to the Cuyahoga Metro Housing Authority Police on June 11th and to Cleveland Police November 2nd. She had four children and was living with a daughter about three blocks from Sowell's home. She was a familiar face in the area and had a history of drug abuse. She disappeared from time to time so her family didn't think much of it and her body was found wrapped in plastic bags in Sowell's basement. And there's Melda Amy Hunter, 47 year old. Hunter was a beautician and a mother of three. She had a criminal record and a history of drug abuse and she did not live in the area where her body was found but she did frequently visit and a, previously, and a previous injury left her unable to use one of her arms. Her family did not report her missing until after police began removing bodies from Sowell's home and she was found buried in Sowell's backyard in a shallow grave. And then there's Crystal Dozer, 38 year old, who went missing in May 2007, the day after Mother's Day. Dozer was a mother of seven and had a criminal record and a history of drug abuse, like many of his victims. And she lived in the area where her body was discovered. Her family reported her missing to the Cleveland Police Department. And this was not the first time she had gone missing and her family accused the police of failing to investigate. The family took it upon themselves to look for her themselves and posted flyers and even called hospitals one of her sons said she was a beautiful person who was just sick after police reports were filed officers said she was an adult and she had a right to go missing and there was nothing they could do and her son in the documentary unseen kind of quoted that the police basically just took away the family's hope of finding crystal and unfortunately he ended up bounding and beating her to death and her body was found two years later buried in a shallow grave in sowell's backyard oh my gosh yeah no, this story is awful uh, and then there's Miss michelle mason who was 45 years old and she was last seen in october of 2008 and she was a mother with a criminal record and history of drug abuse she lived in the area where her body was found according to reco- reports police conducted a full investigation when her family reported her missing but her sister says police didn't take it seriously because of her arrest records even though she had stopped cashing in her social security checks which i think is a huge huge red flag um and she was also found buried in Sewell's backyard and there's Tashana Culver, 31 years old, and she lived a few houses away from Anthony Sowell on Imperial Avenue. The mother of four was last seen in, by her family on June 2008 and was never reported missing. She had several drug convictions and was struggling with her addiction. She worked as a beautician, and in the unseen doc, her boyfriend cried from the get-go talking about her, and she was found deceased on Sowell's third floor in a crawl space.
1: Wait, I'm sorry, I might have missed this. Uh, so she did not have- she also had a- history of drug abuse yeah
0: yeah okay okay. almost everyone has a history of drug abuse is there one that doesn't no i don't think so okay um and then there's janice webb who is 48 of cleveland and she often hung in sewell's neighborhood she was last seen on june 3rd and her family reported her missing august 2nd police say they searched for her unsuccessfully by checking with friends and relatives and at the area hospitals and shelters Her sister said she was a loving person who struggled with drugs and alcohol addiction. Webb was a mother of one and a grandmother of three and she was found under his basement stairs. And then there's LaShonda Long. Uh, She was the third oldest child and she had to be operated on the first day she was born. She had like some heart issues. Uh, Her mother was also on drugs and she was born and they stayed at the hospital for 86 days. But when, oh my gosh. yeah, but once her, uh, it's a long time, yeah, yeah, I know the, all the complications, you know, of like drugs and babies, it's, it's sad. But once, um, she was able to go home, her mother stopped doing drugs for a while, uh, but it was always around. So her mom isn't really sure when Lashonda started doing drugs herself. Uh, but Lashonda was doing her best and she would read her daughter books every night and tuck her into bed. And on unfortunately on August, 2008, she accepted Sowell's invite and her head was found in a plastic bag inside a bucket in Sowell's basement, and her body was never recovered. Yeah, and Ray Sausage Next Door believes that Sowell may have been dumping bodies in their dumpster at some point. And they had already, were assuming the sausage place was the cause of the smell. So, I mean, if a dumpster smells even worse, they're not going to go digging in there, you know? Um, and then there's Kim Givette Smith, 44, of Cleveland, who was last seen January 1st and she was reported missing to police on November 2nd. Kim and her father had made a pact to take care of each other and Kim looked out for him after he developed a spinal injury that left him in a wheelchair. She cleaned up the apartment, cooked his favorite dishes, steak and potato, uh, she picked up his prescriptions and she made sure that he got to his doctor's appointments on time her father was a marine corps veteran and loved and supported her despite her drug addiction he encouraged her to turn her life around and paid for drug treatment programs and psychologists and provided her with a place to stay food and spending money friends described her as an artsy type that loved to sing and she had talent um her family said she even worked as like a backup singer for local acts uh and unfortunately she was found in the shallow grave in sowell's backyard we're almost done with this list And then there's Diana Turner, age 38. She had spent years fighting a drug addiction. She had been sober for 21 months and was pregnant with with the daughter with her new boyfriend. Uh, She was involved in church and had finally broken her longtime addiction to crack cocaine. She truly believed she could be a real mom to this little girl named Denise. She vowed to be a better mother after having her other five kids taken away. When Denise was born was probably the best time of her life. Her boyfriend, James Martin, said she was clean, everything was good. When social workers removed Denise from her mother's care four days after she was born, Turner fought to get her daughter back but failed. It shattered her and she relapsed. After more years of abusing drugs, Turner disappeared in September 2009, the last to go missing of the 11 women. She was found on the grounds in Sowell's third floor bedroom. Okay. (sighs) So, remember how I had mentioned our prism system and how it sucks? Yeah. Okay, so so. So Sol did, didn't go to the sexual assault rehabilitation program because he didn't want others knowing his business. Which makes me think, why is that optional? Especially for someone who's convicted multiple times of raping someone. Like, why isn't that mandatory to go? It just And I... How hard is it or how easy is it to conceal
1: your background or what you're in jail for? Because if you don't go i I know those individuals are isolated as much as possible like for their own safety but but yeah i
0: just figured like he wouldn't even make it out of prison yeah he went to like an alcoholics thing in the prison so you can go to that but you can't go to i I don't know it's just uh, it just makes me so mad especially because he was deemed low risk to commit more sexual crimes I don't know how, how, okay, like, how do you
1: determine that? Because I have scrubbed the sexual, like, the, uh, what would you call it? The uh, sexual offenders website. Yeah. And then there's, like, low risk, high risk. And I know it's based on your, like, on the cases and, like, the age, perhaps. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of factors that go into it, but if you are convicted of multiple rapes how are you low risk
0: yeah yeah especially if you don't go to a program specifically for rehabilitation for that they're just gonna be like oh you're fine you're a great model prisoner that you can go like what yeah that makes no sense like i don't understand how this man
1: was able to just slide by so so easily in prison
0: you know yeah yeah. And it's even scarier because nearly 80% of race and sexual assaults go unreported according to the Justice Department analysis of crime of violent crimes in 2016. So that kind of makes me think how many other victims did he leave behind when he was released that never went reported? Mm-hmm. It's just it's terrifying. <sighs> so how did he get caught? You want to know how he got caught? Something dumb. Dumb shit, <laughs> right? He's doing dumb shit. Well, he was trying to get more victims. Um, but I can't really tell you how he got caught without giving you some first-hand accounts. And these are straight from the Unseen documentary. These these women get on their documentary and they tell their story. And it is so mm. powerful. I was just bawling my eyes out. Like, ugh. So if you guys have the time, just go see the Unseen documentary. It is so good. And where can they find the Unseen documentary? i saw it on amazon it was available for free with amazon prime um you can also i think see it on youtube i think it's like 2.99 on youtube so there's nice. that too
1: yeah nice nice movie for me or a documentary
0: to watch tonight before i go to sleep if you want to cry a lot Just no idea. <laughs> Uh so let's see here uh, okay so Gladys Wade was attacked by Sowell in the early two thousand nineteen, and she did escape by getting out into the street by trying to gouge at his eyes and face. So she ran to a pizza shop begging for them to call the police because someone had just tried to kill her. The wonderful pizza shop told her to leave because they didn't want anything to do with it and she was bleeding on their floor. <gasps> oh my god, those bastards. Can you believe that? Oh my gosh. People were even laughing at her thinking she was oh. on a bad trip. So oh, she that's ended up
1: so sad
0: yeah no it's horrific so she ended up finding some police and she had um and she told them everything that happened she recounted that so well tried to grab her and drag her into the house um and once they went up to so uh, he basically said that she had tried to rob him and he was only defending himself they did end up arresting so because of his his rape charges that were already on his file um, and there a detective said that he had just done 15 years for rape. And it was basically his word against hers. Which, for me, that's a huge amount of evidence right there that he just got out. 15 years. Yeah. His
1: word against hers? Like, what is that? How does that make sense?
0: I know. I know. It doesn't. It does not. <sighs> like, so, I,
1: there's, I will never, ever, ever be in a situation where I'm like, you know what? I'm
0: going to believe this rapist. Yeah. I just... Uh, like I said, this it got me so mad. And it's going to get even shittier. So, shoddy detective work by detective. I'm going to name her. So, Gloria Hewson. Jo- sorry, Georgia Hewson. G-E-O-R-G-I-A <laughs> space H-U-S-S-E-I-N. She's a piece of shit. Uh, she decided to go... Her and um, the assistant city prosecutor, Lorraine Coyne, uh, which is spelled L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E-C-O-Y-N-E, both decided that there wasn't sufficient evidence to prosecute. This led to the release of Sowell without criminal charges, and Houston later admitted in a sworn statement that she failed to review the evidence gathered by patrol officers before she took the case to Coyne. She did not tell Coyne that Sowell had served 15, 15 years in prison for a rape and was a registered sex offender. Can, can you believe that? You know it's in a file that he just served 15 years and you're not going to bring that up to uh, the prosecutor to kind of get him back in jail. You're just going to, oh my gosh, it makes me so mad. Um, And they believe that Gladys wasn't credible even though she had wounds all over her neck and body. So her claims were seen as unfounded and Gladys was quoted saying they just don't listen to women on drugs. They are nothing to them which is horrific because Sowell ended up killing six more women after gladys filed the police report so the one so the one that nabbed him we're going to talk about latrana Let, lala billups so uh she's and i'm gonna call her lala because that's how she goes by uh she saw so walking with a beer in his hand and asked what he was doing and if she could have some beer with him she had been to his house multiple times before so they were acquaintances they they normally hung out um and when they did hang out, they hung up on his third story, fl- on his third floor, but this time they went to his second floor. Lola asked why, he said because he- it was dirty upstairs. They did drugs and moved into another room, and there in that room was a blanket on the floor and a piece of extension cord. She didn't think much of it. So Sol went in and brought in a chair for himself, and she sat down on the bed. He asked her to turn around, and when she turned around, he put his hands on the back of her neck, and he squeezed. She tried to turn back around, and he hit her. He ripped her shirt and made her get on her stomach, and he grabbed the extension cord and put it around her neck. When she woke up, she was wet and her neck burning. He was sitting in front of her watching her, and he was shocked because he saw she was still alive. He told her he was going to kill her because he was going to get caught, and she told him, No, because I'm not telling anybody, but I'm not coming around here again. So she got dressed and kept turning around as she left to make sure he wasn't behind her. She went to the hospital where they did a rape test, and Lala reported so well to police. It took- Wait- Sorry, he just let her go. Yeah, she was like, "No, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell," and he just grabbed her stuff and left.
1: What? Like, never in the history of crimes,
0: I thought that would ever happen. Yeah. So she got so, so lucky, um, and it took three weeks for detectives to contact her. Three fucking weeks. Oh my gosh. I'm and stressed I'll, I'll t- out.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. there's one more awful thing and then it's, well, not really smooth sailing, but on October 29th 2009, police went to Sowell's house to arrest him for her rape, but he wasn't home, and they decided to kind of check out her house, and that's where they found the first of his victims. They be- they began offering a 12000 reward for information, and amidst the search for Sowell, his sister met him two streets away in daylight, like at a stop sign, and there he admitted to his sister everything he did, and he said he didn't know why, but he was fucked up in the head and just walked off. And his sister just beat herself up for not seeing the signs. And his sister did not tell the cops where he was when he just walked off which i if my sibling came up to me and admitted that he murdered 11 women and did all these horrific things i'm i'm not going to just let them walk away like are you kidding me i don't know if you saw that Aaron uh, or her nanda i keep calling him Rodriguez. (laughs) Hernandez
1: (laughs) her nanda's documentary you'd be like "Mm, there's some loyal family out there no I, i can't i cannot do that and uh, there's also sister- $12,000 out there. I mean, if you, my brother, God forbid, he w- was, like, a rapist, then I'd be cashing that check real quick, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, um, but maybe it- at other crimes I might, you know, it depends, but that's, like, that's where I, No, know. That's where draw the line. Big, big X. <laughs> big no. <laughs> uh,
0: but his sister just beat herself up for not seeing the signs, and neighbors began bringing photos of their missing loved ones to Sowell's home. At the time, Sowell was hiding and sleeping in an abandoned home near the area where police found him. I think he was only like four or five streets away. Like, he was so close. He pleaded not guilty by insanity and gave no useful information about the identities of the woman. Uh, but thankfully, police were able to find everything out by a fami- familial DNA. And his trial began on June twenty seventh, 2011, and he was facing 85 counts of murder, kidnap, and rape charges. Okay, so we got one more first-hand account. Are you ready for it?
1: Mm-hmm i have my (laughs) emotional support cat
0: here so you're gonna need it so vanessa gay was the only witness to tie him to the bodies found in his home and on stand she gave her account of what happened so vanessa was standing by the bank and so well noticed her and he stood within range and pretended to talk on the phone saying that it was his birthday and no one was celebrating with him and she just decided to go with him because she felt bad Uh, people were talking to him on the way and everything seemed normal, so she just assumed he was like a trusty, friendly, trusting, friendly person because everyone was like, hey, how you doing? She got a weird feeling as she walked up the stairs to his home and smelled a foul odor. She sat down on a mattress on the floor and asked what they were going to do. That's when he punched her in the face Mm -hmm. and forced her to undress. She did everything he wanted. She said his eyes looked evil like black holes. She was raped and beaten for hours and hours and hours. In the morning, she got the nerve to ask him to use the bathroom, and he told her yes. On the way to the bathroom, to a room to her left, she saw a body lying on the floor without hands. Oh my god, that is horrifying. Yeah. She used the bathroom in shock and pulled herself together and then exited the bathroom. He began saying she was going to tell the cops about what he did to her. She joked with him and said he was a little rougher than what she was used to. Um, to try and win him over and by some miracle he grabbed his keys and let her out of the house wow that's like fight
1: or flight like intellectually though like your mind is like
0: let's make a joke let's Mm -hmm. make him feel like it's okay yeah she said that when she was using the bathroom in the documentary that she was like trying so hard like not to cry and not to sob because she didn't want him to know that she had seen the body and she wanted to seem like she was just totally completely okay with him Mm -hmm. she doesn't know what took over but so because she was naked people in the streets also began to laugh at her and no (laughs) one helped her that's so heartbreaking yeah she called the police but never filed a police report she figured no one would believe her because she was an addict and the jury deliberated for 15 hours and he was convicted of 84 out of 85 counts he was sentenced to death um and they did tear down his home in the winter of 2011 uh but i really just want to drive it home that these were women they were mothers they were daughters they were friends they were aunts like their past and their demons shouldn't make them any less of a person Mm -hmm. we all have shit we go through and we all handle it differently um so are there more victims east cleveland police decided to reopen several cold cases from the late 1980s they began searching for murders by strangulation that stopped when soul was arrested in 1989 the fbi began gathering information to see if Sowell may be linked to unsolved cases in cities where he once lived so this really stuck out to me in the unseen documentary a convenience store clerk owner across the street even came across four garbage bags in his dumpster at one point that smelled horrible and he thought that bleach would stop the smell, but it was still around. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even bother opening the bags or looking in the bags. So I don't even know if this was, you know, one of the bodies of the women or if it was another victim, you know? Mm-hmm. In the late 1980s, terror filled East Cleveland when the bodies of three women, two of them suspe- suspected drug users, turned up near Sowell's Page Avenue home. In May 1988, the bodies of 36-year-old Rosalinda Gardner were found in her home on Hayden Avenue and she had been strangled. There was also uh, Carmel Karen Prater, 27, a resident of the Page Avenue and also a suspected drug user who was found in an abandoned home on 1st Avenue just off Hayden. On February 27th, 89, the cause of her death is unknown. A month later, on March 28th, the body of another suspected drug user, Mary Thomas, 27, was found near an abandoned building, again on 1st Avenue, and a red ribbon was used to strangle Thomas, and it was still around her neck. And of course, none of these mm. cases were solved, and there has been no official links of them made to Sewell, but they they kind of coincide with his his not motive. What's it called? His uh his pattern. Yeah, his, his MO. mo, his pattern. Um. So after all that, there is a little bit of a bright side. Uh, Lala became si- sober and was able to be the best mother she possibly could be, and got her master's degree at Cleveland State University. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> uh lala became sober and was able to oh my god why am i gonna cry (laughs) i held it together damn it need you to get it together (laughs) sam oh my god
1: i've been blaming everything on my period so you
0: can say like it's just hormones all together sam um so she got her master's degree at cleveland state university in social work in 2016 and vanessa gay is still trying to process the work through and work through whatever she went through and the city of cleveland gl- 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 the city of cleveland agreed to settle a lawsuit the city faced over its handling of complaints against Sewell. so at least they owned mm-hmm. up to it um and the city of cleveland agreed to pay a combined one million to the families of the six women only six of the women murdered by anthony Sowell. i'm not sure why not all 11 and i'm sure they could have kind of put more than a million you know Cause once you split that up over six people, that there's not much there.
1: Yeah, that's I was gonna ask. If it was a million each, or like
0: a million in total, and then you have to split it up. <laughs> yeah, no, they ended up splitting it up, and it wasn't even for all eleven. So I, that's kind of shitty on the city of Cleveland. Um, yeah, but I just divided by six. That's only like one hundred and
1: sixty-six thousand. Yeah, no, that's six hundred and sixty-six point sixty-six. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not, I mean, for all the shit, like, of course there's no money. You can't put a price on any trauma. You know, no trauma is worth that. But for the police who had one job, which was to handle evidence properly, to protect their citizens, despite them being drug users or not, being a drug user does not make you
0: disposable. Exactly. Like, Um. they did deserve a lot more than that. Yeah, the they didn't do their jobs, and all these women suffered, and all these families suffered, and it's just horrific. Um, but I just wanted to throw one more thing out there. If you are a loved one or suffering from substance or alcohol abuse or mental health issues, you can call the National Substance and Health uh, line at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 4357. Um, or if you know someone who is a victim of se- sexual assault, or if you were, you can call 800-656-HOPE, which is 4673. And what
1: will Hopefully. that phone number do
0: that That they like
1: what do they, they kind of
0: can provide you it's, it's free when you call and they kind of guide you on steps on you know if you're dealing with drugs they kind of help you with the rehabilitation centers they kind of check to see if you qualify without insurance to get help without having to pay for anything or if your insurance covers stuff and it's all confidential it's all private so they're not going to be throwing your information out and then the sexual assault line also kind of helps you find therapists and kind of figure out the best steps and to help kind of if you want to pursue like um with police and file reports and all that they, mm-hmm. they help you with all that so awesome thank you yeah. for that but yeah that is the story of the cleveland strangler and wow yeah. it was a lot of information so
1: <laughs> that was good yeah. information you that you had a lot of uh facts and information to sift through and i think you did thank it you well, so good yeah. job.
0: like i yeah. i So, I was trying to listen to other, doc, like, not documentaries, but, like, podcasts on it, and I just didn't like how they were, like, every single victim, they were kind of, like, they were a drug user, and then they died, and they didn't kind of, and I really tried to, like, dig into finding, they were moms, they were kids, they, you know, they were trying to do their best. Like, who
1: they were as people. Yeah,
0: so, that was, like, my main focus on the story, because every time I looked, I just, you really had to dig for that information, and I just wanted people to know, like, right off the bat, so yeah
1: yeah no that is good it's good insight and we it's easy to get wrapped up in the killer and what they did and their motives and their psyche and then you it's sometimes forgotten that like their act and their actions have not only affected well the victim because they're dead but their families as well and that's like trauma that does not go like that doesn't go away
0: Mm-mm, no, I can't even, ugh, I can't even, like, put myself in the shoes of, like, uh, no, I, I can't, like, just knowing that, like, a family member went through something or, like, your parent went through something like that, I just, there's no way. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how I would process that, so.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. just hearing stories from people or knowing things of, like, from my loved ones, like, the rage, like, I feel, like, I can't imagine like it being to the extreme where they're gone and they're missing and no one's doing a thing about it.
0: <sighs> My emotions are all like,
1: <laughs>
0: I'm sure that was emotionally exhausting to do. Oh yeah. No girl will remember. I had told you, I have had this story done for like what, like a couple months now. And I told you, Oh, this is, the this one. is the one. And I told mm-hmm. you, I'm like, I have to completely forget about it to do it. Like I have, to, I think mm-hmm. that's why the ending hit me so bad because I forgot that she had got her master's degree Cause I completely forgot about it and then I pulled it up to get today to kind of clean it up and I was like, fuck, this case sucks. But yeah, at least there is a little bit of a light. I mean, for her to get her master's, I I can't even go to school enough to get a master's like, that's crazy. I know you did, but (laughs) it's hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely difficult.
0: And, uh, but to
1: be able to pull strength from the darkest, darkest moment of your life to push through and, obtain like your master's and use your experiences to help others I think is amazing because unfortunately I mean you talked about how many cases go unreported and there's reason why people authorities don't believe people and that's a huge issue it's so crazy like I read something the other day I I live on the internet and somebody (laughs) said something about you know it's funny how like you know friends who have been victims of sexual assault but you don't know any like any guy friends that are predators like why is that like yeah and this is an example an extreme example of somebody hiding that part of themselves or they're hiding it they're going under the radar like i don't understand how this man was able to get out of prison and then serve in the military And that adds another layer of secrecy or another, like, distractive layer. Like, oh, he's... He was a Marine. Like, good conduct. Like, good behavior. Like, here's all these badges and letters of recommendation. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. But, But yeah, this is why we talk about this and have these conversations.
0: I was going to say something else, but I just... I think I'm just like, bleh. My brain stopped working. <laughs> it's, um, what is it, the vampire? It's the little boneless vampire. Oh, yeah, my brain's the little, <laughs> little blob. The little nut sack blob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you have anything positive to talk about so we can end on a better note? Oh, yeah, let's talk about... Oh, I guess I could talk about Fredericksburg, couldn't
1: I? If you want to, yeah. Or right. you're starting school, I think our listeners
0: would be excited to hear oh yeah i have my first day of class tomorrow because uh, today Yay. was martin luther king day so no class today so my last day of freedom that's a good way to like ease into it you know because you won't have a full week of school
1: yeah and you'll ease into uh the new schedule and then next
0: week you can tell us give us an intro give us your syllabus i'm excited <laughs> Yeah, to i'm excited that. um so i tried looking for because you know they give you like the the class books to get um and there's like a burial rituals and like uh the all that oh, and i'm yes. like oh let me see if amazon has it nothing so then i put in the little code and all the other like websites and like nothing 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 i was like what the fuck so now i have to get it brand new from the freaking school store Ugh. so mm. and it's probably like an arm yeah and a probably leg. gonna be like 150 bucks i think was what the list said whatever i, I i'm i don't want to rent it because i actually want to keep it because um once mm-hmm. you finish
1: Because it's rituals, right? The burial rituals, is that what you said?
0: Yeah, it talks about, like, all the different, like, religions and how they bury and all that. I am so into that, as you know. (laughs) I'll let you peep at it (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) once I get it. Um, But, uh the thing with mortuary is from everything from day one all the way to the end kind of like with medical and like nerfing they can quiz you on anything so every single one of these books i'm gonna want to buy just so i have them to study because i'm like fuck. you're gonna have such a cool library oh i know
1: (laughs) i'm so excited to post about like the books and you can give us a little summary of them little
0: mortuary book club yes along with all my monster books and the satanic (laughs) bible (laughs)
1: good little book collection. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You're not going to school. We're going to school. I'm excited. <laughs> I know. You're going <laughs> to learn with me. <laughs> this is a real, real side note. But the house that we watched the game at was, like, insane. Really? It, it, looked, it looked like it was just a one-story house. And then they're like, oh, let me give you the tour. And they walked us downstairs, and the first level was like, a bar in the corner mm-hmm. with, like, diner-style seating. How cute! Like, there was, um, it was, uh, not benches, booths. Like, they had booths on the side. Oh, that's so cute. That you can sit in. And then there was a glass wall on the left side, and you look, and there's a whole basketball court. Damn! On the bottom floor. So you can watch, like, whoever is playing basketball, and they had a actual, like, score. Table or scoreboard. Oh my god, I can't think. And then you go to like the bottom, bottom floor, and then there's a movie theater, and what? there's a gym with a sauna, and like separate men's and women's bathrooms, fuck. and like the entry to the basketball court. And I was like, and it was only one guy that lived there. Like, what it was the like fuck? the single guy that lived there. What's he do for and, a living, G? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't ask. Uh, and we uh what was i saying okay so i i always get on zillow for everything like mm-hmm. i live on zillow too yeah <laughs> and i was like let me see how much houses around here cost. yeah yeah and then i noticed the house was on zillow and it was for sale and they only they were only asking like 867 or something like that dollars. that's like, it just like eight around the 800s Fuck. Yeah. and this was in wisconsin and the whole time there i was just thinking I was looking at old houses because I love old houses. Yeah. You know, like, with the wraparound porch yes. and the pillars. And they were, like, almost as much as my house. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I need to move. Like, I could <laughs> – I know. I could be living somewhere with cooler weather, with less traffic, with nicer houses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: like, I mean, but the, the cost yeah. of living there is a lot lower, too, right? So you don't get paid as Probably. much. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But – I don't know. I just thought that was crazy.
1: Yeah. And then at the very end, okay, so, like, my aunt just drinks tequila. So, I, I don't... That's me. I don't know <laughs> how many shots of tequila I had. Like, I had drink more tequila than I ever had in my life. So, at the end, which I felt fine when we were leaving, and then I kind of, like, peeked into, like, the guy's office space, mm-hmm. and I see the most horrific thing. What? He had a Trump hat. Oh,
0: no. And then I was like, Mom,
1: we got to get out of Let's here. Let's leave. Let's run. Break the glass. Like, break, break the glass. <laughs> because, like, take it. Take it. I'm like, no. Like, he'll trap me. And, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, yeah. So, and I recorded it, too. Like, my mom going, oh. And, like zooming in on the hat mm, I was like, american <laughs> horror story
0: that's funny that's so funny yeah that's how matt was when he saw the trump hat at fredericksburg he's like we're in enemy territory i was like you're so <laughs> dumb <dull." laughs> oh we didn't even end this oops <laughs> <laughs> that's all right wanted to get all some I giggles guess. in make us feel a little I know, better lighten the mood yeah <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in to episode 20. You can find us on all our our (laughs) socials at booze podcast. That's spelled B-O-O-Z
1: podcast
0: at Twitter. (laughs) Our one tweet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try and work on Twitter. I'm going to try it. Apparently, that's all the hip kids do. Yeah.
1: Facebook apparently is for the
0: old people, but whatever. I I love my Facebook memes, even though they're all screenshots of Twitter on facebook (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean i
1: love twitter don't get me wrong like i'm always on twitter but with the booze i'm like how we we'll work it out but i do save yeah we'll figure it out like a lot of relevant uh relevant tweets like one was like it's okay if you um if you go to a party and get a little too high it's okay if your little sister's head gets uh like or if your little sister loses her head while she sticks her face out of the window, it's okay if you leave her in the car while you process it all. Like, it's okay. And you go lay in it's bed and you turn into the demon king's uh, piman. Like, it just kept going, and I was like, "Yes, I need to retweet this later." And
0: then I did. Not. That's funny. That is funny. I'll have to. I, I have to get up with twi- Twitter because I just I almost said twatter <laughs> with the twatter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh, keep an eye out but, uh, we'll
1: we keep giving you promises and one day we'll we will fulfill those well, one promises. day we'll follow three
0: um but we're pretty active on instagram and facebook and um oh if you follow us on instagram you can see the the booze the booze room oh it's just got yes. a good old makeover so
1: good so props to sam thank you Thanks. all right up uh, oh.
0: but yeah we'll <laughs> catch you guys next time <laughs> thank you for listening and have a good week And bye.